From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Good Wednesday morning to you. Well, I'm not so sure it's a good Wednesday. We'll talk about that momentarily. But good Wednesday morning to you, nonetheless, right here from a numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network, Visa.com, the Visa app, and everywhere you can get Visa. It's Gil Alexander. Um, Good show today. A lot of baseball. We got some basketball on the way. JVT will join us momentarily to talk all things NBA. Got to ask him about... uh, how he felt about the coach of the year uh, voting going with Tom Thibodeau winning it at the end. But we'll talk to him about what transpired in the National Basketball Association last night in both of those games, Atlanta, Philly, and then the uh, Clippers and the Jazz. Josh Towers, former major leaguer. um, We got to ask him about that Garrett Cole exchange that just happened about doctoring the baseball since we have Josh in. uh, Might as well throw it at him. Andy McNeil will join us as well to talk Stanley Cup playoffs I, I got to say this about the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't usually get geeked up or charged up for, you know, the final four of hockey, if you will. But if you're telling me right now you're going to have Montreal that's on this unbelievable minute streak, 434 consecutive minutes of not having trailed in the Stanley Cup playoffs, the record being 480 by the 1960 Canadians. That's one team in the final four. I know it's not typically called the final four. Um that you're going to have the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning in there, and maybe the best team in hockey right now if Vegas can get by Colorado after an awesome win last night by the Vegas Golden Knights, and then whoever the fourth team is between the Islanders and the Bruins. But, I mean, that's a pretty tremendous group 
to uh, wrap up the hockey season. And looking forward to talking to Andy about that. Jason Weingarten from Under a Cloud of Smoke in Southern Cali to talk baseball with us. Get his latest futures plays, what he's thinking about betting today. Brady Cannon uh, will talk Palmetto today. And we'll also talk U.S. Open golf, obviously, on the cusp of the U.S. Open next week. Even though DJ and Kepka are in the field this week. And then Adam Burke will join us from ATS Radio and uh, at Skating Tripods, one of the great Twitter handles of all time, get his baseball picks for the day. So why did I say, uh, you know, maybe it's not so good of a morning? Well, here is the good from yesterday. Let's start with the good, and then we'll get to the bad that happened this morning. The good, um, another couple baseball winners yesterday uh, from at least our ledger. So we're now 16-9 and on the baseball season pre-flop here on the show. And again, the most deliberate the most deliberate baseball betting season ever for me. And we're obviously, you know, well into June now. Just 25 preflop picks on the show. 16 to 9 plus 6.81 units. And I just feel that that's the way that I'm betting baseball this year. Mark Borchard agrees with me, too. He went 2-0 and on the show yesterday with his two picks. I had the Atlanta Braves as a plus 145 dog. Against the Phillies, they end up winning that 9-5, to a game they were ahead most of the way, then they trailed, then they had a huge eighth inning to take the lead for good. Uh, and I had the under in the first five of the Blue Jays-White Sox game between Robbie Ray and Carlos Rodon, which we gave uh, on the show yesterday. That easily hit. It was one to nothing at the end of the fifth inning. So those were my winners. And then Borchard had the Astros, which was a runout, and then he had the Indians, which was a complete runout as well. Two blowouts. So... Both of us have taken this very deliberate approach. We didn't talk to each other about it, uh, that we were going to do this in advance, but it seems to have worked for both of us. And so that is the good. The bad, though, let's be honest, it outweighs that. This morning, our girl, Iga Sviantek, gets beat in the quarterfinals of the French Open. The defending champ goes down. Her 22-set consecutive streak of uh, not having been beaten in any set 22 in a row goes down with it. And I'll be honest with you, it's you, you almost you just have to tip your cap to Maria Sakkari of Greece because it was a pretty straightforward beating. Period. Broker in the first, broker in the second, 6-4, 6-4. And so Sakkari goes to uh, the semifinals. By the way, your semifinals are, well, how's this for uh, non-sexy in terms of uh, your, your viewing you know, wanting to watch these uh, these players. Sakari Krechkikova, who beat Corey Goff, who beat Coco Goff this morning. Uh, then on the other side, you have uh, Zidancic and you have Pavlyuchenkova. How's that for an American viewing uh, rating that we're going to see? Very close to nil. I will have a, a, a bet in one of those semis, though. But there was that uh, tweet that we just had. It was a good run. Someone pouring out a 40 there on Twitter. Who was that? Carl Kirkwood was that gentleman's name? Uh, good tweet there. Pouring out a 40. Yes, Carl Kirkwood. Thank you for that. That is, in fact, shout out to DRS1, but that is, in fact, what we do for Ega this morning, and all our futures go down. Not like we better in any of the single matches, but our futures go down. It's Gil Alexander. It is a numbers game at VEASAN, the sports betting network. Um, let's talk some basketball. We'll, we'll lament Ega some more later on the show, I'm sure. Um, but let's talk some basketball with our senior NBA analyst, Jonathan Von Tobel, at me, JVT. He's driving around somewhere. How you doing, JVT? I'm good, man. I'm very good. Yeah, I'm out in Hendertucky right now, so just kicking it and uh, ready to talk some hoops. Did you just say Hendertucky? Is that what you said? Oh, yeah. That is, yeah, that is, a, that is a lovable term that I, you know, I grew up, at least, out here in Las Vegas using for Henderson. So. <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard that ever. That is that's 
awesome. All right, uh, John, I, I bring this up first. I know it's a couple. By the way, Nikola Jokic, MVP yesterday. I'm sure yep. you don't have any problem with that. By the way, I tweeted out a, a piece that you and I did on uh, in December where you called that at 20 to 1. So shout out to you on Jokic. Just one of many great picks from you this year. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Coach of the Year because I was sort of lounging around the house yesterday, and we all know that Tom Thibodeau won. This didn't get as many first-place votes as Monty Williams, but by virtue of his second-place vote margin, really drove it home, 351 to 340. And I, I had Drew Dinsick on the show yesterday. He was pretty hot about it. He really thought Monty Williams should win. And then I was watching PTI casually yesterday, and Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon were incredulous, incredulous, John, that Nate McMillan finished fifth. Like, what? Does that just reflect the difference between these sports betters and the mainstream media? How do you feel about how it turned out, and how do you feel about that reaction? Yeah, the name McMillan, it's a little weird. I mean, just a, it was like half of the season, right? So like, I wouldn't really be going to back for McMillan. I think you need a larger sample size. Uh, he did a good job, but I don't know about coach of the year. But, you know, it's funny. It was one of those where I didn't think I had an opinion on it, right? And then the award gets handed out, and I'm looking at the ballot. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, why in the world did Tibbs win? Right, like I, I think when you look at this, and it's it's clear why, right? It's the allure of New York. It's all of these writers, you know, voting for because he brought the Mecca back to life, whatever it is. But if I were to remove the teams, and if I were to tell you that Tibbs was the coach of a team that won the four seat, that was the twenty fourth ranked offense, right, in terms of efficiency in the Eastern Conference, no less. I don't think that we would be talking about him winning coach of the year at all. You know, I posed the question to Matt Humans and Mitch Ross the other day on Fall Money. I mean, if he's the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets and everything plays out the same, is he winning this award? Hell no. No. And so that's what kind of bothers me. Right. Like, it's like, what are you voting for then at this point? Because you like the team and you like the, the, the arena. So he gets to win this award. Well, what Monty <laughs> Williams did has, has been incredible. You know, the Suns have been downright dominant throughout the regular season. They win the second seed in the much better conference at this point right now. I just think it was kind of a robbery here. And I think it was Kirk Goldsberry tweeted this out. You know, shout out to the 19 voters who thought that Monty Williams was the third best coach out of the three. Like that, I think it was just ridiculous to a certain extent. So it was one of those, like, the more I thought about it, the more angry I got. And I was like, no, you know what? No, like, this is... Monty Williams should have won that award. I think it's ridiculous that he didn't. I like the arena. That's the, that's the best thing there. Because um, you and I, when we first talked about it, we did talk about East Coast buys. We talked about you're going to yep. handicap the East Coast buys of voters. But it wasn't, I think I think you said it better there, more big market, small market bias in the end. Because I think you're right. If he coaches Charlotte, he didn't win this. Period. So there it is. What? 100%. Tom Thibodeau, your NBA Coach of the Year. But congratulations to all, because we really did. I mean, listen, from a betting standpoint, it is a bit of a victory because they did exceed their season win total by the most by far from 21 or 22 games, wherever you got it at preseason, to 41 eventual wins. And the point is, from a betting standpoint, it was a solid recommendation when we recommended it at 20 to 1, even went to 25 to 1. And so hopefully people grabbed it, whether it ended up winning or not. Still a solid recommendation at that point. Let's talk about last night, JVT. Atlanta at Philly. We're watching this game on primetime action with Matt Brown, Daniel Alvari, Kelly Billen. Of course, we do it every night on MSG+. And, you know, all we kept seeing was, you know, every time we'd look away, because we're doing a show, so we're not completely locked in, but we are kind of locked in. That was the most spurt-filled game I think I remember all year. What was that? Yeah, no, you're right. Well, because a good chunk of what Philly was doing when they were having success 
was either forcing turnovers and getting out in transition or right or or getting rebounds and running out in transition. Like their transition offense, you know, offense or defense offense was absolutely spectacular yesterday. And so I think it led to, like you said, like a spurt filled game, right? Where is their offense in the half court kind of sputtered out? Atlanta was a little bit better in the half court. And so they would, you know, punch back and then Philly would force some turnovers, get some really good plays, get off of a rebound, get out in transition. And then all of a sudden, you know, a three point game would turn into a seven point game. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, right, you see the bench unit kind of come to life a little bit more. Shake Milton was absolutely incredible. And then all of a sudden it's a double digit game. And so I think that's. Using that term, I think it's going to be what we're seeing right going forward is kind of a sport game where Philly does still have the edges in a lot of different categories, right? They have the best player on the court. They have the better defense. They have the better defensive players as well in Matisse Seibel and Ben Simmons, and you saw much more of those two on Trey Young in this game than you did in the first game, right? Not Danny Green playing Trey Young. I think the figure was over 40, uh, over 40 plays of Danny Green and Trey Young in game one, and uh, now it was less than 20. And then you split that up evenly between Matisse Seibel and Ben Simmons. So I think that's what you saw. You saw a lot of defense in the offense for Philadelphia. I think ultimately the half-court stuff worries you a little bit, but it worries you more big picture, right? It worries you more when you're taking on the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks of the world as opposed to the Atlanta Hawks. You know, Philly can get away with this style of play against a team in Atlanta that has some good talent but is relatively young and doesn't have the pieces to match up with what Philly has to offer, especially on the defensive end excuse me, especially on the defensive end. Uh, but I think it is somewhat worrisome when you watch Billy in the half court. They don't have a dynamic pick-and-roll game. They don't have a really good ball handler who can score from multiple areas off of a pick-and-roll, right? It's either Ben Simmons has to finish or kick it out, and that makes your half-court offense somewhat simplistic to a certain extent to defend. And so if they're not getting out of transition, you see really close halves like you did, but these second halves have been awful for Atlanta. I think at this point right now they got a negative 31 net rating in second halves against Philly for the first two games. This has been something that I think is going to be a theme going forward. But Spurt feels really good because I think you're going to see games where people think they're pretty close, but ultimately Philly, once they start locking down defensively, forcing turnovers. Remember, they were the second-best turnover team defensively in the league. You're going to see more of results like we did in the second half again in the last two games. Yeah, I mean, I know this is a spurt-filled league, but that was unbelievable last night. By the way, Kelly, yeah. Kelly, when when Atlanta was down, I want to say 18, grabbed a plus 15 and a half. Atlanta comes all the way back. They even lead by a point, right? His thing looks good. They lose by 16. Just absolute <laughs> brutality. Yeah, well, just one bet, but. Uh, game three is Friday. Atlanta installed as a two-point home dog. Do you want to play that game, or do you want to play the adjusted series price here, Sixers minus 225, Hawks plus 185? So I, I generally practice, if, if I'm involved in a series already, I'll practice some patience unless you see some game anomalies. Like, you know, the other day in Milwaukee being a road favorite, like that, that, that gets me to get involved. But, like, for this series, go I bet, I bet Philly at minus 110 to pick after game one yeah. uh, to win this series. So I'm 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 sitting back and I'm going to sit watch this series overall. But I do think that if you're looking at this from Philly's perspective, like the edges are playing out in their favor. You know, you'd like to see this play out over the course of a full game as opposed to the second halves. Uh, but I think, like I tweeted this out yesterday, I was talking with one of the handicappers on social media, Barry. Uh, but it's um, I don't know if Atlanta's ready for what they're going to be getting here from Philly defensively as the series goes on because I think it's going to get pretty rough. So if I'm picking one of the two. You'd rather be on the side of the Philadelphia 76ers in terms of maybe taking a small dog price versus laying a small price on the road uh, in this game coming up in Atlanta. But ultimately, this is going to play out in Philly's favor. So you are you are more inclined to lean that this will be, I guess, six is the obvious six games is the obvious sort of comfortable fallback point. But you'd be more you you're saying it's more likely that it's five than it's seven. Is that a fair assessment? 
Yeah, yeah. I definitely think that that would be the case. Okay. Clippers at Utah last night. Uh, Utah wins at 112 to 109. They trail uh, by 13 at the half. They outscored the Clippers by 13 in the third quarter. You go to the fourth, tied up. They took a double-digit lead. Clippers made a move late but couldn't get there. A Rudy Gobert block is what sealed the deal. Clippers had a chance to tie with a uh, with a buzzer-beating three, but Go- Gobert had other ideas. Um, we had Drew Dinsick on the show yesterday. We had Dan Bespris on. They both said the same thing. They both said they loved the Clippers for the series, but they thought that this was a jazz win last night. In fact, a scheduled loss was what Drew said. Um, there seems to be some some you know overtone with that, or it's, maybe it's an undertone perhaps is the correct word, the, an undertone that the Clippers were fatigued after seven games coming into this. But if, if we're to attribute that to the reason that the Clippers lost, isn't that sort of you know a fallacy? Because the Clippers... First of all, we talk about that in back-to-backs, right, with, with uh, fatigue during the regular season. These are not back-to-back situations, and the Clippers were great at load management, so it's, it's not really that last night, was it? Yeah, because like, it, 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 it played out to a certain extent like that, right? Like the fact that they were so good in the first half and it totally tailed off in the second half on the surface makes you think that that is fatigued to a certain extent, right? Like playing more and then in the second half it's going to fall off. It looks like your gas tanks were running a little low pretty quickly. But, you know, I... I kind of attribute it to, if we're talking about the fatigue angle, like a mental fatigue, right? Like the mental, the mental makeup of having to win, you know, four out of five games, you know, getting into a game seven, holding them off, and then going on the road to take on a very good Utah team in, in a foreign environment. That's just a tough overall situation. So maybe that's just the term fatigue being used, right? And maybe taking it literally in terms of uh, physically they are tired, but more of like that's a tough spot to like play, close out a team in seven games and go on the road in that kind of environment and really keep it together for four quarters. But I, I do think ultimately, like I, I thought in the first half, I'm kind of with you to a certain extent. When I watched that second half, I didn't think fatigue. I thought, like, what are we doing from a game plan and game decision perspective, right? Like, where, where's, where's Nick Batum? What's going on with Luke Kennard? Why is he getting so many minutes when he's getting cooked by Donovan Mitchell? There were so many different things in that realm that I thought were going on in that game. Like, fatigue was the last thing in my mind when I was watching that second half for the Los Angeles Clippers. And, look, to be completely fair, there's a lot of things that the, the Jazz can do better, right? They didn't shoot the ball particularly well, especially in the first half. But every single one of those players on that court, I think, overall, can play a little bit better. But I, I think with the Clippers, when you watch that game, I was more confused about rotations. I was more confused about easily switching. Like when Donovan Mitchell runs a Kawhi guy over for a screen, and Kawhi's like, yeah, you take him, Luke. Like little things like that uh, are what I saw more than anything. Not so much fatigue last night for the Clippers. You wrote a great piece um, at Points Red Weekly. Clippers check all the boxes of the team to beat in the West. You've always, you and I have been simpatico on this. We've we've thought the Clippers are going to win the Western Conference the whole way through. You even went deep on it with uh, when they were down three to two to the Mavericks. You took the Clippers at eleven to one uh, to win. Was it to win the West or to win it all? I believe which one was to, it? to win the finals. To win the finals, right? Okay, eleven to one. They're down one to nothing here. Are you content with what you have? I mean, even in the, in this piece, you even uh, you even say you love Ty Lu, like you have confidence in him as well to navigate through this. Yeah, look, I, I think like uh, do I love Ty Lu? Maybe not love, right? But I think we did. We, we because we don't like a guy, right? We tend to overlook some of the moves that he made. Yes. I, I don't think there is any denying that what Ty Lu did in that game in in that series. Like made a difference, right? He went small. He played Nick Batum at the five. He tried it again yesterday. It didn't really work too well, but he also went away from it very quickly. He's not a perfect coach, 
but but to deny the fact that the adjustments he made in the Maverick series ultimately helped them win that series, I think is so much like it, it's incorrect to think that, right? He deserves credit for what he did in that series, whether it was giving Nick Batum more minutes, whether it was like, like hey, remember, he benched Patrick Beverly in that series because he was giving them absolutely nothing. He went to Luke Kennard in that series, and it worked in that series. But he's also got his flaws. He's got to realize that Luke Kennard is getting cooked by Donovan Mitchell in mismatches and to get him off of the court. He's got to realize that Rudy Gobert is neutralized when he's playing a small ball five that brings him out of the perimeter and not to punt so quickly on something like that. But I think we overlook what Ty Lue does as a coach because we generally just disrespect him. But I think he, he deserves credit for what he did in that series. But overall, like yesterday, too, going back to it, right, because I, I, I ruffled some feathers with my, hey, Paul George was 9-17, or you know what, 4-17, and Marcus <laughs> yes. Morris is 1-9. Yes. Right. And, but, like, like, guess what? Reggie Jackson was also in foul trouble. He's a 40% three-point shooter. Like, he couldn't touch anybody yesterday without getting a foul called, right? Paul George is going to play better. Marcus Morris shot 40% in that series against the Dallas Mavericks. He's going to play better. Kawhi Leonard was ineffective yesterday and passive, as we kind of see at the beginning of series. So there's a lot of upper momentum, I think, for the Los Angeles Clippers in the series and overall. You're right. Like, I, I think they check all the boxes. Dominant wing defenders, you know, really good mid-range and elite player in terms of Kawhi Leonard. I like a lot of what they bring to the table, and there's lineup versatility out there as well. And we haven't mentioned Adisa Zubac, who's actually really good yesterday uh, in a lot of those minutes. So, yeah, I, I like a lot of what the Clippers bring to the table. It's not a shock if anybody's listened to the work. They're, they're a very good team. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. There's nothing about that game last night that takes me off the scent of the Clippers, uh, at, least winning right. the, at least winning the Western Conference. As you said in the piece, the Brooklyn Nets are an entire another matter, um, which – I should get to here because we only have 90 seconds here. And if you would stay five minutes more to do the other game, I'd appreciate it. But this is, I asked this question of everybody yesterday. Milwaukee's down two to nothing. By the way, Clippers, Utah game two is tomorrow night. Brooklyn, Milwaukee game three back in Milwaukee is tomorrow night. And somehow the Bucks are three point favorites here, JVT. And I just want to ask you, like, what price would you, first of all, what price would you need for the Bucks? in a series-adjusted price. Right now they're plus $4. What price would it take for you to actually play that? And then on the on the game line, like, why wouldn't you take Brooklyn here? Yeah, I would need probably like six six or seven to one to, to be enticed by Milwaukee. At least. Like, I, I think that, yeah. right, like, I think, that, one, you've dug yourself in a hole against an elite shooting team, right? And again, you know, I, I've never told you this, Gil, but one of my things with the Milwaukee Bucks you know, we can talk about sustainability of shooting. When you're the 29th-ranked perimeter defense, right, there is a sustainability to a team shooting the way that they are against you because your perimeter defense has been poor all season long. These planting Brooke Lopez in the paint and not switching on screens, all this stuff that is coming back to haunt you yet again. And sure, you're switching a little bit more off ball, but it's not working against Brooklyn. Uh, and so I think ultimately there is some sustainability, you know, sustainability to the hot shooting numbers here, regardless of James Harden's status. And I'm with you, like, like again, talking about the market, making Milwaukee a favorite on the road the other day. It just didn't make sense. The fact that, again, remember, home court is being factored in now. And I've calculated the for home court. I think I'm with you. Like, I think Brooklyn should be a slight favorite on the road here. Not, not so much an underdog. Can you hang out for a few more minutes, John, and do the uh, yeah, tonight's game? All right. Appreciate it. Denver yep. Phoenix. We'll talk about that momentarily. Uh, JVT, not only the senior NBA analyst here at VEASAN, at me, JVT, on Twitter, but also the host of Hardwood Handicappers with Jonathan Von Tobel, NBA podcast that you can find wherever podcasts are distributed. We'll talk about uh, Denver Phoenix, and I'll probably ask him, too, if Milwaukee and Philadelphia were to lose both of these series, which franchise would you feel worse about moving forward? We'll come back with JVT. Five more minutes right here on a numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. 
you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. With basketball, hockey, and baseball games every week, it's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada, the premier sports betting app. BetMGM with all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Just download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID. It's open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. It's Gil Alexander, Jonathan Von Tobel, kind enough to join us for uh, five more minutes. Real quick, JVT, I just asked this question going into the break. 
if Philly were to lose somehow to Atlanta in this best of seven, of course, knotted up at one apiece, and Milwaukee well on their way to losing to Brooklyn, if both of those teams lost these respective series, which franchise would you feel is more destitute moving forward? I think it's got to be Philly. Like, really, hmm. as much as as much as it is with Milwaukee, like, they, they get Drew Holiday. They're going to – I can't remember. I, I'm having a brain fart here. Did they extend Drew Holiday already? Because I believe they did. I think so. But re- right. So, like, regardless, like, you see, so you'd think, like, the future is set. You just want to get a new head coach. With Philadelphia, you're kind of at the end of the run with those two in terms of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, right? Like, the, the waters have been there for a while. Do they work? What's going on? Ben Simmons and the free throw shooting and the three-point shooting. Like, we've been here for about, what, four seasons now, it seems, with those two. Like, I think that one would be more on the verge of a blow-up if they catastrophically lose a series like this, as opposed to Milwaukee, where all of the heat has been on Boonholzer, right? You don't adjust. Your defense sucks in terms of its perimeter defense. Something is wrong with the adjustments. Like, we got to make a change here. And I would think that there's more of a chance that Joel Embiid is going to move forward solo and that you have some real questions about the 76ers, as opposed to Milwaukee just firing the head coach and, you know, taking the Mark Jackson approach where maybe you find somebody to unlock what's been going wrong with your team. <laughs> it's an interesting question, though, because I think you can make a case for both of them because there is a Milwaukee yeah. part of that where you're like, oh, I don't know, they've used every bullet possible, right? Like, what else can, what else can this team try? Um, but, yeah, you're yep. right. Coach Bud will get a real estate agent first and foremost. Tonight's Denver-Phoenix game two. We never want to overreact to one game. Phoenix, obviously, with a one-game-to-nothing lead. They were down 10 in the third quarter and then they just rolled the Nuggets from that point forward. Pardon me, and Chris Paul uh, just managed the game away late. He was just brilliant. But so were were Booker, so were Aiton, so were a lot of those guys. Excuse me, pardon me, Booker didn't have to do much. Bridges, I meant, uh, and uh, Aiton. Aiton and Jokic were kind of a wash statistically. If that happens, Katie barred the door for the Nuggets, right? Yeah, and you look, so the the stat that I think you need to watch with Jokic it's not so much points and rebounds, so it's assists, right? Because assists means other guys are getting involved. And he doesn't need to average, like, double-digit assists. But in that Portland series, he only averaged about four assists per game, right? Because the other pieces around him at times really did struggle. And he, you know, he did root, but he got used to Nurkic in foul trouble. They destroyed Portland in those non-Nurkic minutes. This is a different beast entirely. This is not the 29th most efficient defense in the NBA, right? This is the top 10 defensive team in terms of efficiency. And that's where I think like, you run into the problem here. You know, they, you can win the battle down low, and I think he will eventually against Aiden, but it's what everybody else is doing. You know, Will Barton might come back tonight. Who knows? But Michael Porter Jr.'s back is now banged up. I just think you're really going to feel the absences here with the other pieces around Nikola Jokic against the backcourt and against a defense like this. When you have good, legit wing defenders, when you have big bodies and smart defenders like a Chris Paul, you know, he's not the most dynamic on-ball guy, but he's never going to get caught out of position for the most part. And I think that's where this series ultimately gets lost here for Denver. I think those other pieces and the gap they have to make up, they could do it against Portland because as much as we love Damian Lillard, he's a poor defender. C.J. Yeah. McCollum's a poor defender. You can't do it here against Phoenix. So of all, so we got 90 seconds here. So of all the, I know you have a lot of bets in pocket, but of all the pre-flop ATS opportunities here or any totals or any adjusted series prices, if someone's landing right now, what's your favorite bet available to them at this moment? 
in any. Uh, you know, I haven't seen I haven't seen it, but you know, I'm involved pre series, and I got the Clippers at plus one forty to win that series against Utah. I still feel just as confident in Los Angeles. They play best of seven for a reason. Uh, so any of the plus price there on, on Los Angeles to win that series against the Utah Jazz would probably be the one that I, I would recommend. I still think they're going to win that series against Utah. I was confident when they were down o two. Confident when they were down three two. It's the best of seven for a reason. So I would take that plus price on the Clippers. How does plus one eighty grab you? Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, that would be that would be where I would go. And I'd expect that to move pretty soon. I think in the Clippers' favor, that plus one forty that I got disappeared real quick before the series started. Yeah, that's the I, I'm with you. Plus one eighty on the Clippers seems to be the best bet on the board right now. JVT, thank you. Thanks for staying overtime. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, Jonathan Von Tobel. Everybody, what do you call it, uh, Henderson? What do you call Henderson? Henderson, Kentucky. What do you call it? I gotta get that again. Yes, Henderson, Kentucky. Thank you. Hender Tucky, that's what he called it. Uh, also the host of Hardwood Handicappers uh, with Jonathan Montobo. Henderson's a lovely community, by the way. Just let me point that out. Uh, you can follow him at me, JVT. We'll come back. Josh Towers, his reaction to the Garrett Cole interview and all that's going on in baseball. This matters from a handicapping standpoint because if they're going to crack down, what do any of these numbers mean to date? We'll get Josh's reaction next at the Numbers Game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. to a numbers game with Gil Alexander. The NHL and NBA playoffs are here and our experts are covering every angle to find betting edges. VEASAN hockey expert Andy McNeil who will be joining us momentarily is tracking all the NHL action. And our senior NBA analyst JVT, Jonathan Vontobel, who we just talked to has all the hoops insights. Our experts in the entire VEASAN team give you all the tools to make the most of every bet on the playoffs including odds and analysis for every game on VEASAN.com and our daily members only best bet emails. Now's the time to cash in the playoffs. Sign up for your 10-day free trial at vsin.com slash subscribe. That's vsin.com slash subscribe. Ladies and gentlemen, he uh, played in the major leagues for the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and, of course, the Oriole way with the Baltimore Orioles. And, of course, a vsin host as well. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Josh Towers. How you doing, Josh? Gilly, I'm, I'm good, buddy. Welcome back. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Um, yes. Can we just play this um, video from Garrett Cole answering a question that he clearly did not expect about the doctoring of baseballs. Um, let's get your reaction to this. Go ahead and roll it, guys. And have you ever used spider tap while pitching? Um, I don't... I don't know. I, I, I don't know if... Uh, I don't know quite... I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Um, I mean, there are customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players from the last generation of players to this generation of players. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds in that regard. And, and, uh, I've stood pretty, stood pretty firm in, in terms of that, uh, in terms of the communication between our peers and whatnot. Um, you know, and, and I, again, like I mentioned earlier, there's, you know, this is important to a lot of people that love the game. And this is including, including the players in this room, including fans, including, you know, teams. And so if MLB wants to, you know, legislate some more stuff, that's a conversation that we can have um, because ultimately we should all be pulling in the same direction. Well, now that was awkward. Josh, um, 
first of all, I think the obvious question is, did you use spider tech? No, I'm kidding. Um, what, what do you, this is interesting from a handicapping perspective, because if baseball does crack down, and let's just forget about the fact that Garrett Cole clearly didn't want to lie there and say he didn't. I mean, I think that is obvious. You'll tell me what you think. But this matters from a handicapping standpoint because if they're going to crack down, I don't know what any of these numbers mean to date. How do you feel about that response from Garrett Cole? Oh, man, I could talk about this for hours, Gil. Um, uh, first off, I thought it was a genius response. I thought he handled it absolutely perfectly. He didn't, he didn't admit or deny. He didn't sell anybody out. He brought in the integrity of the game and, and our past players. He also basically said, listen, do what you want to do, but there's going to be a collective bargaining meeting around the corner and I'll be there. And we'll have this conversation about all the stuff that's really going on. Uh, so I thought that I thought Garrett Cole handled it absolutely perfectly. Whoever that clown was that asked that question needs to be banned from clubhouses. Uh, I know he's trying to make a name for himself, but he crossed every line possible by doing that to Garrett Cole, especially by putting him on the spot like that. Um, so whoever that idiot is doesn't need to be invited back, and he probably won't be getting talked to by players too, too much anymore. So I hope he understands that aspect of it. Uh, I don't know what spider tech is. I've never heard of it before, so I clearly have never used it. The stuff that we used, again, I can't emphasize this enough, Gil, it was just to get a grip on the ball to throw it. None of it was ever designed to cheat, to create more movement or anything. If I wanted more movement, I would just ask my infielders or my catcher to scuff the ball when umpires weren't looking. That's the best <laughs> thing for I just want to feel it so I can throw it. These umpires don't rub these balls up after the first dozen or two. So those balls are gone in the first inning. Um, I, I think it's embarrassing that Major League Baseball, the media, all of us are trying to find a reason why hitters can't hit and pitchers are having success. So all of a sudden there has to be a reason why we have one guy shows up with a pine tar on top of his hat. Now everybody's cheating. And then all of a sudden – the, the the elites of the game have one bad game and their spin rate goes down and now they must have been cheating. I promise you right now, um, let me scroll up on this computer real quick, that uh, the Twins uh, are in bad shape tonight because Garrett Cole is going to shove and prove everybody wrong. Wow. Yankees, minus 180-ish. You'd lay, yeah. the, you'd lay the wood on that. You make it 500. He's going to dominate tonight. Oh, you think I'm cheating? Watch this. So you think, Josh, if I'm just to glean very simply what you're saying, you think sure. this is much ado about nothing, that the, only thing, that the only thing that's changed is that hitters generally suck now. 100%, that's all it is. Nothing has changed. The same dudes have had the same stuff on the top of their hat forever. The last few years, no one's ever said anything. But now all of a sudden, no one can hit, except for, of course, the good ones who used the whole field, and now all of a sudden, pitches are cheating. The bottom line is it's Major League Baseball, uh, it's the media, and it's the offense. And and like I said, if they would start looking at the field of play that they're actually playing in from right field line to left field line, they'd actually be pretty good at hitting. But when they're just looking in the left field seats or the right field seats, depending on whether they're right-handed or left-handed, that's why they're awful. So it, it's just the hitters. That's all it is. Josh Towers coming strong as always. Coming strong as always. So <laughs> the, you feel very strongly about playing the Yankees tonight. Uh, is oh, there any yeah. is there any other game you like? There's a couple um, that I got leans for. Obviously, Lance Lynn over the Jays. Uh, I like Manoa, but you know, good, bad. The adrenaline of his opening day start, and as you know, it, your opening day starts, man. Your your first ever's are either really good or like the Royals kid the other day, really bad. So I, I, I like Lance Lynn. I think he's doing good things. It's Matt Harvey Day around baseball, so yes, that is my favorite day around the world. I, was gonna... I would never. 
I would never bet on Patrick Corbin. And, and of course, the Rays are hot. I'm sure that line's insanely priced. Um, and then, dude, can you explain to me what's up with the D-backs? They've lost 18 in a row on the road. I, I can't. I, that's random. That's all, just a random, right? Huh? Yeah, it's just... Patrick, and then I didn't even know, Patrick I didn't Corbin, even know by the way, plus 145, just to be uh, clear, plus 145 at Tampa Bay, and Taiwan Walker and the Mets, minus 125 at Matt Harvey Day in Baltimore. So we're getting some good lines on, on a couple of those. And, again, we look down to the Padres. I know they haven't been playing the best baseball, but I, I didn't know Arietta still played baseball, so uh, and I'm a big <laughs> So I can lean, I can lean that way as well. Padres are, are minus two fifteen though. This is yeah, it, it ain't your two thousand fifteen Jake Arietta, that's for sure. All it's right, one of the but greatest it, people on planet Earth. But it just sounds like more than anything, you're about the Yankees tonight, and I guess you would run line them as well if you would play if you would play them at minus five hundred. I guess you would play them every which way. Um, well, and then you know that they've been awful with the offense. We we know that. I mean, everything about their offense has been terrible. That yeah. Sunday night baseball game, they had no business losing. Uh, but the Twins bullpen woke them up last night. And then again, you got a, a pretty upset Garrett Cole on the mound. You got a little bit woken up offense. I think that uh, I think the Yankees are to play, buddy. Josh, I always appreciate the uh, the honesty, man. I always appreciate you telling us exactly what you feel. Thank you, sir, as always. You bring it up. Love you. Talk to you later. Josh Towers at No Don't Josh. If you're wondering, why does he have that Twitter handle? It's because he says to himself, no, don't, Josh, don't tweet this. And then he goes ahead and tweets it anyway. Josh Tower Strong. What did Romy used to say back in the day? Racket! He is not about what the uh, conventional wisdom is these days. We'll come back. I'm very excited about hockey. Andy McNeil is too, kind of. He's a little worried about his Bruins. We'll find out what that's all about. And can the Knights do this against the Avalanche? That and more coming back right here on a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives, like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life— 
We've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. Discover BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Sign up today and win $100 if you place a $1 wager on any NBA playoff game and either team hits a three, regardless of your bet's outcome. Simply use bonus code VSIN100 when you place your first bet and enjoy the playoffs more than ever with BetMGM. New customer offer paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in the state of Nevada. It's Gil Alexander. Uh, let's talk some hockey with our buddy from Edmonton, Alberta, at Digital Gamblers, where you can find him on Twitter. It's Andy McNeil, everybody. How you doing, Andrew? You good? I'm, I'm doing pretty good only my mother calls me that i know so, uh... i don't know why i called you that it just sort of came out um how you doing i'm good man i'll tell you this and i meant this at the beginning of the show i'm pretty pumped for what hockey could be here in the coming weeks with the uh with this, the uh, stanley cup semis if you will because and you wrote a great piece at Point Spread Weekly calling uh, entitled "Lower the Broom on Montreal." Not so fast sweeps are rare. We'll get to that. But essentially, we could have a situation here. Well, first of all, we know already Montreal is the Canadian representative, if you will, and Montreal is on this sick run: 434 consecutive minutes of postseason playoffs. The record is 480 postseason uh, uh, consecutive minutes, I should say. The record is 480 consecutive minutes in a postseason of never having trailed. 1960 Canadiens. So Montreal is in with that going on. Then you've got the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Then, after a great game last night, I thought when that goal went past Flurry with 0.8 seconds left in the first period for Colorado to sneak a one nothing lead after the first, I thought Colorado was going to get it done, but nope. Vegas did in overtime, just a super exciting goal from Stone. And so the Golden Knights are on the cusp. Maybe they're playing better than everybody is right now. So if you got those three teams and then a Boston Islanders fourth, 
That's a pretty awesome Final Four in hockey, wouldn't you say? That's very exciting. Yeah, it's it's it, it's shaping up to be pretty good. Um, you know, as taking betting out of it, I think I don't think I'm alone when I say that I would uh, rather see pretty much any other matchup uh, than the Islanders and the Canadians. Um, you know, I, 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 I <laughs> well, I, there's I, that. It's a good thing that that I'm paid to talk about hockey because somebody would have to pay me to want to watch that. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't have anything against those teams. That's a lie, but um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it just with the other options, I mean, give me Tampa Bay and Vegas or, you know, Colorado and Boston or whatever, but uh, there's, there's just, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to miss out on, on some of the potential um, epic matchups that we could witness here. Uh, for, you know, uh, an Islanders-Canadians final. Well, I was trying to give hockey some juice, and then you just sort of, you know, said, not so fast, buddy. But here's your here's <laughs> your not so fast on the piece. We'll get to the Islanders and the Bruins momentarily. But for those thinking that the Canadiens would be easy fodder in a semifinal, no matter who they played, uh, and would be a sweep potential uh, team, a, a team potentially that could be sweeped, you say not so fast, and you've got the numbers to back this up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very rare um, that, you know, sweeps are very rare. Uh, only 30 have happened uh, since 2006. That's out of 237 playoff series. Um, about, about 13% of the time. Uh, only four have happened uh, in the semifinals or beyond. None have happened in the, you know, there hasn't been a sweep in the, in the Stanley Cup final uh, since 1998. Um, so every year there, there are teams that go further than anybody expected them to. They defy the odds uh, and go deep into the playoffs, um, and rarely do they ever get swept. So uh, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a, a lot of people, you know, expecting a sweep uh, if, if Montreal, depending on who Montreal matches up against. Um, but, you know, hey, it, it, it's very unlikely. And, and I, I did a little bit of the math. Um, and, and I actually think that they match up better against the Vegas Golden Knights because Vegas is sort of a, a more north-south hockey team. Um, but uh, I, I've got the Vegas Knights sweeping the Canadians about 14% of the time. I had the Avalanche doing it about 17% of the time. And then I ran some numbers just to kind of um, get an idea, give people some perspective um, as far as, you know, what what would the prices have to be in in you know, in, in game lines throughout a series for a team to be expected to sweep more often than not. Uh, and, and I came up with about 76% on average. So you're looking at, you know, a minus 325 favorite in, in every game. And then if we go back to the St. Louis Blues series where the, the Avs swept that team, uh, you'd see that, you know, Colorado laid about minus 305 uh, at home and, and about minus 220 um, on the road, so they weren't even relatively close to that, uh, you know, in that series. And the Canadians are a better team than the St. Louis Blues, so the, any any talk of a, of a sweep here uh, should be, you know, kind of snuffed in, in uh, right out uh, at the start. Um, but you know, obviously, from a betting perspective, there might be value in betting uh, on a team like that to, to 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 complete a sweep, but I doubt it. 
All right, let's get to tonight's game. And I know you have a whole bunch of interest in this. And by the way, good call on the Islanders the other night on the value at plus 170, holding on for the 5-4 to four win over the Bruins in Game 3 to take a 3-2 to two lead in this best-of-seven series. Bruins are at minus 132 here in Game 6 against the Isles. This seems to be right at your strike price to play the Bruins. Yeah, I'm, I'm close. I'm, I'm seeing mostly minus 135 just about everywhere. Uh, there, there are some minus 130s out there. Um, you know, at this point, and, and I, I mean, Boston played a really good game, and, and if not for some, some penalty trouble, they'd probably be leading this series uh, three games to two, but, but here they are. They're on the ropes. Um, if there's a team that can get it done and, and force a game seven, it's, it's the Bruins. Uh, they're never really out of it. I mean, I think, you know, for me, if you've got a pregame edge and you want to try to get a bunch of money down on, on a game, well, yeah, like the, the, the pregame money line is your your, your spot to do it. But, uh, you know, for, for, for most betters, for a lot of betters, I think there, there might be better situations to get involved in game here because, um, you know, we saw Boston down by three goals in the third period in the last game. Uh, you know, they were 14 to one on the, on the in-game money line. Uh, got it to within one goal. It was a nice sweat, um, you know, and, and, and I'll be looking for that uh, opportunity again. Hopefully I don't find it because I'm, I'm hoping that the Bruins win this game uh, rather easily, but I don't think that'll be the case. So, I mean, I'm going to dig into some props here today. Uh, it's tough. I mean, you know, I was look, I was thinking about it today um, throughout the regular season. I made about 200 money line bets uh, this season. That's about 23 or 24% of the total games. Uh, that were available to me. So, um, you know, one out of, uh, you know, one out of every five, one of every four games, maybe I'm finding an edge on. Uh, and, um, you know, you, you look at the playoffs, there's, you know, potentially 105 games. That's it. every series goes seven games. Uh, you know, and that, that if, if I was to, you know, find an edge as consistently as I do in the regular season, that would only work out to about 25 bets uh, throughout the course of a playoff season. So, I mean, it's it's tough when you're you're you know you're you're just you're offered one game or two games a night and and you you know you've got so few betting opportunities um, throughout the rest of the playoffs. Uh, you really want to pick your spots here, and uh, this might be the last time to back a really good Boston Bruins team at a, at a really good price. And they're desperate, and they've got the the players that can uh, you know make it happen. Um, so this is is probably the spot to do it. But uh, I'm going to hold off for now. I haven't I haven't acted on it yet. Uh, because, like I said, I'm mostly seeing minus 135 with what's available to me. But, um, you know, if that line trends more towards the Islanders, I'll, I'll strike. Okay, you'll strike if it goes more towards the Islanders. Uh, and you get a better price on the uh, the Boston Bruins. In this in this case tonight, week six, uh, game six, I should say, uh, Islanders trying to close out the Bruins. I know you have some futures tickets on the Bruins. What about game six coming back to Vegas? This is going to be an unbelievable atmosphere in Vegas tomorrow night, um, Vegas minus one thirty-five ish. I'm seeing minus one thirty-seven consensus. We're showing minus one forty. Um, this, this is pretty incredible. I think. Yeah, the, like the, the the shift in the price um, from game one, uh, you know, throughout the series all the way to where we're at now. I, I saw that price go up last night, and um, I was pretty taken aback by it a little bit. I, I think um, I think you've got to go with the Avalanche here. I mean, it's it's. Uh, it didn't work last night. Uh, they played a pretty good game. They had 65% of the expected goals, they had roughly 65% of the shot attempts. Even Mark Stone 
I thought he had a great post-game interview uh, here in Canada on Sportsnet um, where he talked. He actually mentioned twice that that they should have never been in that game if not for Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, you know, and he made a point of mentioning it again. Hey, they outplayed us for the better part of the game. Uh, you know, it could have been over early after two periods. And, I mean, I think that's, you know, a pretty honest take. And, and obviously, they'll have to make some adjustments. And, and the Fortress is the place to do it. But at plus 130, uh, man, give me the avalanche here to, to tie up the series and, and send it back to Denver. It, here's the thing about Andy McNeil. He is, if if anything, he is consistent. That That is what you cannot no, I haven't been consistent. I have not been consistent this series. Don't, don't, don't use that here. No. I have flip-flopped all over the place. This has been one of my worst handicaps <laughs> uh, as far as how to handle it as a sports better uh, in my career as a sports better. And I'm not afraid to, I'm not ashamed to admit it. It's been a bad one. Well, what I what I'm referring to is you are going to play your numbers. Period. It's you know again, it's the thing with you know, I'll go back to Egas. She's the thing of the morning. She loses to Sakari. Listen, was there a little thing in my head, a sneaking suspicion that this might be the girl to take her down? Yeah, but the numbers would never allow me to do it. And you're like, hey, look, it's the Avalanche or plus one thirty. I'm playing them. Period. That's what I was referring to, Andy. I get you. I hear you. Yeah, just trying to help you out, man. I just don't want you to cover up too much for me. <laughs> I'm not covering up anything. Andy McNeil, ladies and gentlemen. So it's uh, it's the Lanch tomorrow, and if uh, some money is taken in by the Islanders, he'll 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 take some Bruins tonight, Game Six. Andy, appreciate it as always. Go Bruins. Go, go Bruins. Lifelong fan, but he's not playing his fanhood. He's playing his numbers. Uh, we'll come back. Jason Weingarten from Under a Cloud of Smoke. We'll talk baseball with him. Uh, we'll also hear from Adam Burke. And Brady Cannon will join us to talk some golf. Not so fun this week at Palmetto. But we'll talk some U.S. Open as well. It's a numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network. LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.